Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast, helping to improve the understanding and treatment of pain across the world through education, advice from experts in the field, personal stories from those living well with pain, and more. A modern approach to pain treatment, management, and education, while helping to bring the patient voice back to healthcare. This is the Modern Pain Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Cardula. What is going on, everybody? It is Mark Cardula, lead faculty and CEO here at Modern Pain Care, where we make you the complete clinician. Today's episode of the Modern Pain Podcast comes actually piggybacked after our episode on the three best exercises you can do. Um, we spoke about a gentleman in my practice uh, who deals with pain in the region of a joint, I like to say, instead of you know joint pain and things like that, because we know it's a lot more complex than that. Um, and Jared and I had some discussions and, and kind of reflected on some of the discussions we've had with some of our coaching uh, mentor uh, clinicians who we've been able to have some great discussions with and talk about some of the issues they have in their practice. And this is a common one that we see in clinical practice and a challenge that I think we all face clinically. I know it was a challenge for me. It still remains a challenge for me because there's some factors that I don't necessarily have perfect control of that dictate how successful I am with this. But before we get into that topic, let's uh, check in with our co-host, Jared Hall. How are you doing? Oh, there we go. Well, I was a black screen there for a second, but I'm uh, I'm doing well this morning, man. Um, I'm all officially moved in to my new house. Uh, this is my new office. It doesn't have doors on it yet because that's a that's a homeowner's project that I have to finish. But uh, you know, things are going the right direction. Starting to settle in. It's feeling like home. Uh, excited to jump back on the podcasting game. Just recognize that there will never not be homeowner projects. You have just bought into a life of homeowner projects. So enjoy it because now it's just like, hey, can't call the landlord to go fix things. It's You are the landlord. You are the guy. Um, but it sounds like you're, you're a crafty individual. You're, you're a home improver. I always say I'm a home worsener. And that's why I pay people to do things because it just is, it ends up saving me money in the long run. It's a better investment in that front. Certain things. Although if you look at my wall over here, which I'm not going to show you, um, I did some poor drilling of holes for a hanging of some shelves. So they are currently patched up, um, waiting to get touched up and sanded and re-drilled. So that's, that just goes to show you how well I've done on the home improvement front. But glad to see you're in the new, uh, the podcast studios, you know, in flux, in uh, development, but uh, looking, looking good over there. Um, can you give folks a little bit of the background of today's topic of kind of where it comes from and kind of because I think you have some uh, some good ways of kind of talking about it with your patients and uh, some of the things that we found successful helping some of our mentor and coaching cl clinicians kind of help get ingrained into their practice. So can you lay some of the groundwork for that? Yeah, for sure. So if, if you guys looked at the the title of this episode, it's explaining arthropathy versus explaining arthritis, right? Um so obviously in clinic, we all deal with a lot of people who have been diagnosed with arthritis. Um, and this is kind of a pet peeve of mine. I don't like just giving somebody the diagnosis of arthritis because of the, the connotations that it has within our current social structure. Um, in general, when people get diagnosed with arthritis, they say, well, shit, I've got arthritis. I'm going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life. If you live down south in the United States where I live, it's like, oh, Uncle Arthur has come to visit. You know, Uncle Arthur's coming to live with me for the rest of my life. And he's going to be the pain in my butt for the rest of my life. Um, so people get this perception that arthritis is a lifelong sentence to 
have pain in whatever joint that you're dealing with because your joint is worn away. It's quote unquote bone on bone, right? It's, um, it's all worn down, it's deteriorated, it's et cetera, it's et cetera. It's, you know, all these things that really scare people. Um, so one of the conversations that I've started having with patients in clinic that I, I perceive to have been pretty successful for the most part, you know, nothing's ever perfectly successful. Nobody ever does it right all the time. But one of the things that I've found to be kind of helpful is to describe to people and help them understand the difference between arthritis and arthropathy. Uh, so I kind of like to break the word down to them. They come in, they're like, yeah, I've got this bad arthritis in my knee. You know, it, it hurts when I squat. It hurts when I go up and down stairs. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's get rid of that arthritis. And they're like, what do you mean? You can't get rid of arthritis. I was like, well, well sure you can. I mean, if you just look at the word, arth means joint and itis means inflammation. It's like what you definitely have is is arthropathy. You have joint changes, right? That arth means joint, apathy means you know some changes over time that you know make your knee or your hip or whatever different than it was when you were 18 years old. So you've had changes to your joint surface. Yeah, you've probably lost a little bit of thickness of the the cartilage. Maybe maybe that joint isn't as pristine as it was when you were 18 years old. But that doesn't mean that it has to be inflamed and inflamed and painful. So what we want to do is take your arthritis right now and, and kind of just get rid of that inflammation by gradually working on it and building it up and exercising it and, and change that back to just normal arthropathy. You, your knee was doing fine, you know, a month ago or two months ago or three months ago. And then it started hurting when you did X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, your knee didn't just dramatically change overnight. You had these same changes, you know, before it started hurting you probably just did something that pushed it too far and it got a little bit of inflammation going. And, you know, when you get inflammation going, that can make all of the structures and all of the area, all of the things in that area pretty sensitive. You know, if you if you just imagine, like if you have a bruise or something like that, normally your arm wouldn't hurt to poke. But if you have a bruise right there, well, it really, really hurts to poke because there's a little bit, there's little inflammatory chemicals and that makes that sensitive. So let's do some things to see if we can calm down that sensitivity in your knee that maybe some of the inflammation started and get your knee back to where it was. Um, and then I said, you know, I wish, I wish that uh, the medical system was better at explaining to everybody the difference between arthritis and arthropathy, because, you know, just having changes on your x-ray and just having changes on your MRI, well, that doesn't mean that you're inflamed and that you have pain and, and that sort of stuff. You, you don't, you don't necessarily get that, that, pain and, you know, irritation until maybe you've done something that pushed you a little bit too far or you kind of tweaked it and you got some short-term inflammation going. And uh, that can that can kind of linger around if it makes stuff sensitive. And our job is to work on getting that back down to your baseline. Um, so I think that, you know, you have to be careful in how you go about this because you don't want to invalidate the diagnosis that they've been given. Um, it, you want to do more of a yes and. Like, yes, absolutely. I totally agree with everything that you're dealing with and what your referring provider said and what your images said, say. And I also want to add this extra information in for you to kind of digest and think about because it opens the door to this not being a permanent condition that you just have to uh, live the rest of your life with and, and have no hope that this could ever get better. You get to you get to see that maybe this is a variable condition that has uh, you know, ebbs and flows, and we can we can work on that. We can get it to where 
you know, it doesn't hurt all the time or it doesn't hurt nearly as bad as it does right now. Um, and I think that if you can navigate that conversation with people, uh, a lot of times it opens up the doors for change and it opens up the door for you to potentially be able to do some more fun stuff with them in clinic or maybe opens up their mind to challenging that joint a little bit more uh, than they would otherwise if they thought that it's just grinding and wearing away when they do a squat or when they go up and down stairs or something like that. So I was wondering what you think about that conversation and maybe maybe that 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 dialogue and that story to tell the people, Mark. No, I, I, you know, obviously we, we share a lot of the similar views, hence why we're, we hang out with each other and pat each other on the back a lot, but no, yeah, I completely, definitely on, on board with, with that thought process as far as explaining and having people reflect and kind of creating conversations where they're trying, kind of challenging some of that thoughts too. I think, you know, having times where they can point out, you know, especially if you hear in their history that, or I say history in their interview that, um, Hey, when I move, it feels better. And I mean, that's obviously conflicts with this thought that this joint is wearing out, you know, would it happen that way? And again, you just kind of, so, you know, I get it, you know, completely understand, you know, from what you've been told so far, you know, things are, you know, bone on bone. I know we've had some, some catastrophic education being delivered to patients. I know you've shared some stuff. I've shared some stuff, but to where patients are just, you know, in this belief that the, the joint is a degenerating, crumbling, you know, failing uh, thing. Yet there's a lot of evidence in their life if you can bring it to light and not just say, see, you're wrong. This is what happens. Just kind of kind of tease, hey, this is what you think, but this is how it behaves. Can you see how it might be not the way that it's been portrayed to you? And let the patient kind of make some, you know, and see where they're at. It gives you an idea how dug in they are to like, you know, Dr. Ortho um, catastrophizing specialist has told me that I've got a cheese grater in my knee and I'm grating things away. Um, and then you just try to create some conversations. Well, if that was true, would this happen? Um, you know, and even with then say, hey, I have great respect for Dr. So-and-so. Amazing doctor does some great work, but you know what? Kind of the way orthopedists are taught, and even the way we used to be taught, is it's very much looking at it through you know one way of looking at the joint. But the, would it be cool if we talked about what current research and science is talking about in regards to a joint pain and pain in the region of a joint, and some of the cool stuff that I think we can do to help you out? Would it be okay if we kind of added some some things that I think might get you, and especially if you can insert whatever back plane with your grandkid or whatever valued goal that they have? I think they're they're often it's a open dialogue, and then you know, at the end of it, you know, so, you know, we just talked about some new stuff and I know this is different than what you've heard from Dr. Smith before. So what are your thoughts on that? Does that make any sense to you? Just again, to see how it's landing. So I'm constantly kind of checking and seeing where are we at with it. Cause I don't know how it is with you, Jared, but I know there are definitely patients where like, Oh man, I didn't know that really. And they're just, you know, they become in, like entrenched and like, they're just, you know, like, Oh my God, you're, you're, you're painting hope. Cause I've came in here depressed and don't even first off know why the hell I'm here. Cause if I'm cheese great in my knee, why the hell would I go and exercise it? So, um, you know, so you get some people around it and then there's some people that are still have that kind of, yeah, you know, you can just see it. The skepticism remains the, yeah, you're not Dr. Ortho. Who's, you know, you know, much more high on the health totem pole, healthcare totem pole than you, as far as the patient's perspective and views. Although, you know, obviously we might have some disagreements, especially when it comes to what's best on as far as conservative care around some of these things from a rehab perspective, but, um, come to surgery. Yeah. I have no clue. And I wouldn't even claim to have a clue as far as what's best operative procedures and stuff, but that we won't go into that discussion. Um, so again, I think, yeah, just fitting it and understanding where's the patient, where's it landing. Cause eventually 
you're going to have those patients where, man, I feel like I just executed the most amazing person-centered education. And this just, I feel like I nailed some analogies and metaphors that met them where they're at. It fit their language. It did everything that they tell me I need to do and checked all those boxes. Yet I got a patient sitting in front of me whose arms are folded, who's got the kind of, okay, sure, buddy, whatever you say, but you're not Dr. So-and-so. So what do you, what do you think we do in those scenarios, Jared? Cause I, I think I, I know the, what we talked about the first half of this podcast, I think has been a huge game changer for me as far as being able to, to, to turn, I guess, some people and, and make them consider that there's, there's options and hope for what they do. But there are definitely the patients where it, it, it doesn't land with any, um, significant, uh, you know, receptive, uh, you know, response. They're, they're kind of just, meh, you're not, you're still not getting me there. So what, what, what's, what are your thoughts on those type of patients? Well, sure. Some people can change their, their perceptions or their expectations based on conversation and words and et cetera. Some people need to do it. Some people need to physically do it. They need to uh, prove themselves wrong or prove themselves right or whatever, however you want to say it. They need to prove to themselves that maybe that, that condition is modifiable. Maybe it's not as much of a uh, lifelong sentence uh, of, of constant pain as, as they thought with some experiments in clinic, you know, and of course, uh, good old Peter O'Sullivan is the master of this, uh, these clinical experiments and that sort of thing where you, where you challenge patients with their own strength and with their own ability to do stuff, with their own ability to modify and modulate their symptoms in the short term uh, while asking reflective questions, right? Where you get them to come to the conclusion and say out loud that, wow, okay, well, I guess I was able to make some change. And that's when you're there to offer advice or to offer deeper explanation um, when they ask for it or when they agree that they're ready to hear it, right? Because um, just shoving that on people is not going to be helpful for a, for a pretty significant proportion of the patients that we deal with. Um, we, we need to kind of let them take the forefront and we, we set up some experiments to show them that maybe it's a little bit different than what they thought with actual evidence from their own body and their own movements. And then, you know, ask if they're interested in hearing why that might be. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree as far as, um, you know, sometimes you got to stop talking and start doing and, uh, the behavioral experiment approach uh, it can be huge in that. And there's different ways to do it. You know, um, you know, this where manual therapy, where you can show a patient like, you know, Carol Courtney's done studies. I know we've mentioned them in the past, uh, you know, some of just basic, like for a neo a, you just get somebody hook lying and you just grab that tibia and just go APs back and forth, nice big glides. And you're, you're providing mechanical input to see if you can generate some of that condition pod, pain modulating kind of deep, you know, descending inhibitory responses. And you have somebody do like a step up prior and, oh man, it hurts to come up that you do some things. I've had a, uh, LOL little lady who she was like nineties. And I remember sit to stands were brutal for her. She just sucked. And we did, all we did was like, um, I think I did it just like off the edge of the bed. I didn't even get her hook lying and just did that. And we had her recheck and she's like, it doesn't hurt. She looked at me like I was some sort of magician that I laid my hands and did some, and just, and obviously I had said, Hey, this is just an example of how that joint, if we get it moving, can really change its sensitivity. We just got to find the dose of movement that you can do at home because this doesn't mean diddly squat. If you don't go home and we can't find ways for you to do this 
um, outside of here because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you'd probably rather move well out there than in here. And most patients are, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say I'm happy if you move better in here, but I, I don't feel like I'm doing my job if I don't get you doing things. So let's teach you some movements and, and things you can do outside of here that are going to make that same similar response. Would you be willing to do, learn some exercise and some movements that should hopefully give you that same response? But yeah, I think the behavioral experiment uh, method and all that stuff where you're letting patients kind of can, you know, see the, you know, the conflicts that are present in their perception and reality of the situation as far as um, what happens and what they think is going to happen um, often can be two different things. Sometimes it lines up, but I'd say especially with some of these areas that come a lot with catastrophic thoughts and fears and anxieties and over-medicalized cultures of, of you know, fear-inducing language and imagery that makes it hard for any human to want to, um, you know, really load it, engage it in different things. But again, that's where you're not going to explain that away from a patient. You need to get them to experience movement and challenge their own narratives um, and not be, you know, an egotistical, you know, jerk that, you know, just thinks you can explain away everybody's pain. Who I've probably been that therapist, especially when I first got my PE courses under my belt. I thought I was going to explain away a lot of pain. And granted, it's been a huge help and, and uh, has been a big, you know, addition to the practice, but definitely doesn't land well with a lot of people. And it's been something, obviously, we've changed our, our thoughts on where it fits in the big grand scheme of things. Uh, definitely not a centerpiece treatment for sure. Um, any other thoughts on where you see maybe folks struggling on this front, Jared, as far as, um, getting these concepts to where it's enactable, you know, things that can get them results in practice? Man, well, I think we've touched on, I think we've touched on a lot of it. I think that, you know, I want to clearly state that, uh, as you already alluded to, it's not just about explaining stuff to people. You can't just talk people's pain away. You can open the door to experiments um, when when you can. You need to set up real, you know, clinical experiments, uh, behavioral experiments to help people physically through movement and activity prove to themselves uh, that they can move and that they are they do have modifiable uh, pain or a modifiable condition. And then uh, you know, always ask reflective questions after that. And then I, I do think that it's it's worth stating that even going through that and doing it, you know, explaining pain as good as Lorimer Mosley and doing a behavioral experiment as good as Peter O'Sullivan uh, and all of these people doesn't mean that you're going to be successful 100% of the time. Some people just aren't in the, the state of mind or the state of their life that they're ready to change those concepts. And there are some people that really do just need surgery and it's time it's come time for them to have that. And that is okay. That is okay. Having these conversations, you've still um, provided a lot of education and nuance to this person and you've still got them moving and they're probably going to be better off for it after surgery when you get to see them again. Um, So I think that I don't want people to hear what we're not saying. Right. I don't want people to hear that everything can always be fixed conservatively or worked with conservatively and that no surgery is ever necessary because that's just not that's just not accurate very good points i think that is i'm glad you mentioned that that yeah there are people who actually because i think sometimes and i know i've been this person where you get so frustrated with the over medicalization and things you just forget that there are appropriate cases where surgical intervention and the joint in fact is 
the problem and it needs intervention and people do have wonderful results. Now, if you read the work like Lars, Lars Art Nielsen and others who talk about, hey, we need to be pain profiling. There are people who don't do well with joint replacements. I think we can do a lot better in getting the right patient for the right procedure at the right time versus everybody who's got pain in the region of joint needs a joint replacement because we see statistics of that not helping a lot. I'll, you know, there's one in three, one in four, depending on who you read and what area of the body, but it's not a, a where you can just always fix people through tissues. And a lot of some of these things are fixed through ecosystem treatments, lifestyle, you know, metabolic health, a lot of different factors that are more than just what the MRI and x-ray looks like. Also, you know, some of the thought processes catastrophizing all those things as well. So definitely a lot to think about, but hopefully the episode uh, was helpful to you guys as far as some things you can bring to the clinic and help some patients out uh, with. Because to me, this is one that I think you can really have some huge impacts. I got some patients who think I'm some sort of amazing you know, the human that I've, cause I've prevented her from getting surgery and literally I did nothing but gave them some better information on what they're dealing with and opened a door of, Hey, let's try this and see. And for them, it worked very well. They were able to confront a lot of fearful movements and beliefs. And that in fact, restored a lot of function and decreased a lot of pain and got them back to value things in life. But again, if you can at least open the door where you can have those experiments, do those things that give them opportunities, there might be some patients that don't, you know, you know, again, we, that, in fact, need to have some procedures done, or maybe even in, you know, some some pain, you know, procedures. I know those. Obviously, there's discussion to be had there, but, um, yeah, I think just having those conversations can be so valuable. Can help so many more people. I think um, we need to put some of this information more in the public facing thing. So when people come into our clinics, there's a little bit more of an adaptive view on what that means when they have pain in the region of a joint. But um, we're not there yet, but hopefully podcasts like this and you guys listen to this and spread the information to the populace around you and do some talks to some doctors, do some talks. I just had a talk to our uh, physicians here at Midwestern University. So just, you know, keep spreading the word because I think eventually, hopefully there'll be a tipping point of like, man, maybe um, there's more to arthritis than what the uh, pharma and uh, procedural based education modes of, of looking at it are given patients. So hopefully we can start turning that tide a little bit, but I think we'll wrap it up with that today. Jared, anything else you want to give folks before we wrap up? You know, uh, nothing else on that topic. I was just thinking, you know, if you guys, uh, you know, if you want more depth on this, or if you want to extend the conversation, you could always consider reaching out to Mark and I privately, or, you know, jumping in our, our lifelong learning Academy or, you know, if you feel like you really want to take a deep dive, you could always, uh, consider, you know, jumping on a call with us to talk about, uh, our mentorship program and what it has to offer and, and kind of what we're doing in that. So uh, just d don't hesitate to reach out to us on any social media, email, any of that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. If you you guys are struggling where you've heard, if anything, you've, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard Jared and I struggles. And it's one of those things that um, we've definitely been helped out by talking to folks like Jason Silvernails and having mentoring from clinicians that have been there, gone through it, struggled with it and have, you know, you know, have some things to add value to. So if you ever want to have any discussions on coaching mentorship in your practice, or just have some questions, or like I said, if you have some topics you want to hear us talk about that might help you in your practice, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're happy to have those conversations and see if we can help you guys um, start turning the tide on these discussions. So um, we're making a bigger impact. So we're going to leave it with that today. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, keep tuning in. Thank you for your view, uh, listening. And for those who are viewing for viewing us, um, and until next week, we will see you then.
This has been another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast with Dr. Mark Karchula. Join us next time as we continue our journey to help change the story around pain. For more information on the show, visit modernpaincare.com. Also, visit the Pain Masterminds Network on Facebook for free education and resources. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. Please consult a licensed professional for your specific medical needs. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast.